Welcome to the Author's Podcast with Lisa Newton. Writing a book is a dream for many people, and in today's society, it has become easier and more important than ever. If you are an expert, speaker, coach, or an authority in your field, having a book is the new business card. It can increase your credibility, enhance your status, and make you the go-to person in your field. Opening doors and bringing a flood of opportunities straight to you. You can increase your fees and start choosing the clients you really want to work with. The Author's Podcast Show with Lisa Newton is designed to inspire, educate and inform you, both entrepreneur and individual, on how to write a book, as well as writer's tips and strategies on how to actually get that book written. On today's show, you learn more about how to write a book, including writing ideas, marketing and how to succeed in getting a book written. Here we go with the Author's Podcast. And here is your host, Lisa Newton. Now on the line, I should have Ebony Gale. Hello, Ebony. Yes, indeed. Hi, Lisa. (laughs) Fantastic. Really pleased you could make it with us uh, today. Nine to five work rebels. I absolutely love the name. So I'm assuming you are a rebel in real life. I am indeed. <laughs> I am indeed. My story in essence basically is we do the usual, we go through the social norms of going to school and you're told to go and get a job and be somebody in society. So university came out kind of bright eyed, bushy tailed, couldn't wait to get into the workforce. But then when I did get into the workforce, I thought, oh, this isn't quite right for me. Slaving away Monday to Friday, nine to five, much longer in my profession because I come from the sort of PR and communications and background. With the media, you're sort of on 24-hour call. So it's, you know, a lot longer than the average hours. And we do know in today's society that nine to five is hardly nine to five these days. After doing that for a number of years and working my way up, I always had the inkling that I wanted to work for myself and I wanted to try and find a way that kind of worked for me and my life and the life I was trying to create for myself. So coming out of the workforce for me was important, but in a sense that I wanted to be able to work in a way that you know, was conducive to how it was a happy lifestyle for myself and my family. Because working full time, like I said, it, it's quite a lot. It's quite taxing. It's quite restrictive. Being a, a mum, I was trying to juggle taking my daughter to school and work and traveling for work and then going to school plays and trying to, trying to juggle that all. And then the weekend comes and it flashes by. And I thought to myself, there must be an alternative way of doing this where you can live a happy life. I don't believe that we're created to just be born and just live to pay the bills. You know, I feel like there's life meant to have fun and we're meant to make it work for ourselves. So I started to etch away a plan of how I was going to do that. And consulting presented a great way for me to do that. And that helped me to escape the nine to five, which is why I'm so sort of bang on about escaping the nine to five, because I do feel like there are other ways for us to do this. And it's just that we've been socialized to just work in this way and follow this model. But there are people who work hours that fit them. Some people work in the evening because that therefore they can spend time with their family during the daytime. I think it's about what works best for you as an individual. And so nine to five work rebels was kind of born on the back of my um, book, which was published um, 
April in 2018. Yeah, the 95 Wet Rebels came out of that because I actually started a sort of a Facebook page for my book and ended up getting almost 10,000 likes for it and followers on it. So I thought there's a lot of us out here who clearly are not necessarily happy in what we're doing. So there must be another way out there. So I, I set up this platform. It's quite new. But the idea is that A, I help in terms of accountability. So if those who really want to get out but are not sure what to do, we can look at various exit strategies. And also, secondly, it's about connecting you with the right people. So I've got some contacts that I can then refer on people to as well. So that side I am still busy building. But that's the idea. It's just to help you find your way out of the sort of nine to five matrix. Oh, I like that, the matrix. And what you said then, you said that you etched a plan from having this idea like, you know, I've got to get out of this rat race to actually leaving. Was it a straight kind of like almost cold turkey, right, I'm gone? Or did you do it gradually, like by going part time and then slipping off? Well, I talk about this because actually I'm doing a talk on Tuesday about sustaining a freelance career. And I do talk about that's the way ideally you should do it. For me, however, I always say, well, go back to what is your why? What's your why for going to sort of change your working style? And for me, my why was about, you know, getting work-life balance. And also I had, I was a little bit annoyed because I had an employer who basically was creating issues to the point where I couldn't, I had to make the choice between my childcare and my job, essentially. They kind of backed me into a corner. So at that point, I was like, I'm going to go and just do my own freelancing. You know, this is just too much at this point. It was a point, actually, where I was going through depression because of the issue of the workplace was putting me under. I had workplace stress. I wanted to get out. And at that point, I actually handed my notice. And I didn't have a job to go to. But by the time I worked my notice, I had two different offers on the table. And one was a permanent offer and one was a contract. So I thought, actually, the contract would be the great start to my kind of freelance career. So I took on the contract and um, went on with that. But I do advise, in terms of giving advice to others, um, there are ways that you can, you know, decide to come out. So A, reducing your hours is definitely a way of looking at starting to set up yourself as a consultant that does work but for me like I said I took on the contract I ended up staying there a bit longer only because recession hit and I was a bit like well maybe this isn't the best time to start and then you know, <laughs> what is there really ever a good time to start because yeah, sometimes it's fear that stops Fine. a lot of people I'm sure yeah, you're, you're living that's in exactly the mm. that's exactly it. it's a fear isn't it because that's what happened with me it was like oh should I go now it's not the best time and we can always find excuses as to why we shouldn't do it now and put it off to tomorrow. But it got to the point where, you know, me, I got to the point of, look, I had those pangs again of wanting to get out, wanting to work for myself and wanting to have that career control. Where I worked at that organisation, the employers were much more flexible when it came to childcare, um, which was great. But I still knew that I didn't want to just be stuck behind a desk working for this one organisation for the rest of my life. So I did etch my plan. My, my plan was to come out and I did come out cold turkey. But I came out still with a plan in hand. So whilst I ended my role cold turkey and, you know, everyone was like, oh my gosh, that's so scary, but also so brave. And <laughs> I had a plan and my plan was I had already registered with a number of recruitment agencies that look after interim contract roles. So you get paid day rate fees and so end, end up earning more money. Mm. And, but I also registered with a number of freelance platforms that literally look after just like PR and communication and they help like place freelancers and things like that. So I had those in my back pocket as well as trying to build up my own independent clients so I ended up doing some contracting initially which was great in terms of money but not so great because I felt like I was still stuck in an office so my long-term mission was to work independently 
But for the short term, I was happy to do some of the interim roles where I sort of build up my contacts. Um, and that's how it actually works. So I was take, I'd done a position which was supposed to be for six weeks. They wanted me to stay on for longer. Because they wanted me to stay on for longer, I used that to my advantage and I renegotiated the terms. And I ended up cutting it down to just three days a week. Um, which meant that I could then use the remainder of the time to work with my own clients and finding my own clients. And that's how I sort of started to bridge that gap in transition. And that kind of snowballed. And in fact, doing that contract um, led to more because there was another stakeholder I came into contact with and they wanted me to come and do some contracting and work with them. And so it just kind of carried on from there. So I say, I mean, what I always say to um, people who are interested in consulting is that a, you know, think about how you want to work. Because I know some consultants who literally just come and do contract work. They get paid really great day rates. They just do that for a few months and then they go traveling for the rest of the year. It's, a, it's up to you how you want to work it. And I think it's about trying to find a, a work plan that fits for you. So yes, my plan was long-term work with my own, but short-term, let's devise a plan to get me to my long-term goals. Okay. Having managed to do that and step away from the nine to five and starting and founding Ebony Gale Communications, how long after that, or was it at the same time, did you start writing a book, How to Become a Consultant, a guide well, to find yourself from the nine to five? Was it like, did you write it at the same time or was it afterwards? It was afterwards. And I'll be honest in the sense of I love writing. So I used to always write little short stories when I was younger, but I've always wanted to write sort of fiction. And actually, I did start writing fiction. I haven't finished it yet. I've started something. But then I thought, I actually really want to share this, what I'm doing, you know, about um, consulting. Because a lot of people kept saying to me, oh, well, how do you do it? And how are you finding it? And how's it going? Oh, my gosh. You know, that's so brave. And yeah. I thought, why don't I just pen something to help people make it a quick guide? Because it's not a massive book. And that's one thing I will say to people. It's not massive. I did that on purpose because I love reading, but I do find that some books go on and I feel like you can cut the waffle. It might be the PR going me. But, I'm but what's not massive? What's your idea of not massive? I think some books that are like doorstoppers. <laughs> I always had in mind, I do want my book to be used as a doorstopper. And I've got some books that I think are quite a lot, quite big, but I feel like some of it could have been said in half of that. Okay. And that's just me. Maybe that's because the PR person, the communicator, will kind of talk to sort of make complex issues and simple and to cut through yeah. a lot of the fat, basically. So that's where my mindset came from from that. But in terms of writing the book, so yeah, I wanted to write it to inspire others and to share that, you know, you can also be doing that, which is why I made it more generic in the sense of how to become a consultant, a guide to free yourself from nine to five, rather than saying how to become a PR consultant or how to become a, a beauty consultant. I wanted people to realise that consultants do work in a variety of fields and you can literally consult in any, any field. But it's just about making sure you've got the right expertise and how you can go about doing that and how you can go about setting up. How um, much experience yeah. would you say, though, that you need to call yourself a consultant? I or think you need to have... What do you need, like... I feel like you need to have some working experience and you need to have at least three years under your belt in a particular area, if not longer, I think is important. Obviously, I've been doing it for a lot longer, but I feel like you've got to be confident in the skills that you're about to go and offer to the world. And I think that's one of the main things is about making sure you have your expertise skills. And in the book, I do talk about that, using your current skills to consult. So if you are working in a field and you're really skilled in that, you can easily then transition into consulting. But if you are in a career path and you're not necessarily happy with that career path, then again, you might want to go and retrain yourself and get your skills and knowledge up so that you can offer those services in the future. 
that was exactly what I was thinking because there are people out there stuck in a nine to five and they don't particularly like the work that they do. So they don't really want to go and consult in it, but yeah. they do want to escape. Different. Absolutely. And that's mm. what I talk about in the book as well. I'm like, well, if you don't, if you don't have the right skills in the field that you want to consult in, then that's fine. Just go out and get that. And there's ways you can do that. There's online learning courses. I've got an online DIY PR course that teaches you how you know to manage the R. There's there's things like that that are out there. There's YouTube, there's so many different there's reading, there's things that you can do to up your skills and your knowledge. Because not everybody has the funds to go and pay for courses. Because I all I always do say investing in yourself is really important. It's probably one of the best investments you can make for yourself. But I think that's a mindset shift and when you're employed you're used to getting your employer paying for your training or your investment when you are working for yourself you're gonna have to do that for yourself so you you know you'll to me you'll take that side of things more seriously but you can if you're in a job and you don't like it you can start looking at you know what else what interests me i'd say write down what are the areas that interest and what are you passionate about and i do say that i think it's about being really involved in your work otherwise you're not going to want to do it and if you're working for yourself and you are reliant on yourself, you've got to go out there and find your own business. You've got to maintain it. Essentially, you want to enjoy what you do. And like you said, there's people out there who are in nine to fives that don't like that. But I mean, consulting isn't the only thing. This is why I created nine to five work rebels because consulting is one thing that allows you to kind of step outside of nine to five where you can, you can, you can dip your toe in as you want to, depending on what kind of consulting you're doing. So for example, a management consultant, a business management consultant will find themselves going in the office more than they are out of it potentially because they're going in to brief clients, but they can still work on their own terms. But on 9 to 5 Work Rebels, I also talk about setting up an online business because obviously an online business means you can work from anywhere. So there's lots of different models to freeing yourself, but it's about finding the right one that fits for you. And obviously being a bit patient in it because, you know, just because you decide to do it doesn't mean it's going to start working immediately. You've got to be patient and you've got to feel the fear and do it anyway. There you have it. Some good advice there in terms of retraining and thinking about what it is that you want to do and ways in which you can find that information. You were listening to the Authors Podcast with me, your host, Lisa Newton. You can email me, lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And remember, we have the Inner Circle, which is for writers just like you. And you can join us at writerbook.net. If you have just tuned in, I am talking to Ebony Gale, who is the founder of Ebony Gale Communications. And Ebony is also the author of the No Nonsense Self-Help Guide, How to Become a Consultant, A Guide to Free Yourself from the 9 to 5. And if you're getting excited out there, the website is 9to5workrebels.com. And the 9 is the number 9 and the 5 is the number 5. 9to5workrebels.com. So Ebony... You mentioned you have a background in PR. Yeah. How have you found, for example, marketing your book and building like a following? Because 10,000 on Facebook is really, really good. So there's obviously some engagement out there. And there might be people out there that might be thinking, oh, you know, it's okay for you. You've got a PR background. I'm thinking of writing a book. Well, how am I going to, you know, find a market and advertise myself? You've got an advantage. What would you say to those people out there? I would say you'd think I have an advantage <laughs> because actually what's quite interesting is changing my hat over because working for client work is different than when you're trying to PR yourself. So it's an interesting one, but I, I, what I will say is there's things that we can all be doing to help push when we're writing a book. If you can afford to, 
then you get some sort of PR help if you can. But if you can't, there are some self-help things that you can be doing. So A, getting involved in the Facebook group. So there's a lot of author Facebook groups in there where you can go in and get reviews if you're willing to read other people's books. They will review yours. Because obviously that helps. Reviews are really important when it comes to getting books, sales and things like that. In terms of marketing and promoting it, think about your audience. Who is it that your book is actually targeted at? and think about where are they and how can you find them. It's simply, you know, putting on a different hat and think, okay, if I've written a book and it's about food, for example, then you want to be making sure you bring it to the attention of maybe food bloggers and those who write about food, but also share it with your friends as well, because, you know, your friends and family will like to eat. Sometimes we forget <laughs> to share things with our family and friends because we think, oh, you know, they might not be interested, but actually do share, get involved in different groups. Like I say, look, into, look in Facebook, there are lots of different groups. For me, I decided to set up a page for my um, book and that's something you could also do to get um, interest. I'd advise you doing that as maybe something you do before you launch. I think I should have done that before I launched. I did it afterwards, but I still got a lot of traction. Think about Facebook advertising. You Facebook has some really reasonable rates and you can really hone in on your targeting so you can target you know, the right audience. So if you're going for mothers or if you're going for dads or whatever the case is, you can really hone in on the demographics of who you'd like to target. So that's always good. I'd say social media is so really, really helpful, obviously, in, in um, getting the word out. When it, if you're going to do it through something like Amazon, like so I self-published from Amazon, and I, I think it was great to do that. But there are other platforms that you can make sure your book's on as well. So don't forget to look at making sure your books are across all the platforms. Mm-hmm. And I think it's about connecting with the right people as well. You want to try and get some coverage because I made sure to get some coverage. And um, most of my coverage came from sort of the business type news. So I wrote an article for Minute Hack and that was on, you know, set me fees. I was featured in a couple of the women's type magazines and a few business ones as well where I was talking about consulting and escaping the nine to five. So what you might want to do for those who don't have uh, the PR people behind them, I mean, obviously, if you're interested, drop me a line. But otherwise, check out my website as well. I'll give you lots of tips. And I've got the DIY PR um, course as well. But a, a key tip I'd say is check out um, relevant media that may be interested in your type of book. Or maybe you've read something recently and you think book would resonate with that person who wrote that article and reach out to them. You know, a lot of us are kind of scared to reach out to people. You can reach out to journalists. That's what they're there for. They're looking for new stories, interesting new stories. But it has to have a great angle and you need to make sure you're thinking of the readers of that magazine. Why should they be interested in, in your book? And if you can answer that question and convince the journalists, then you're in there. But yeah. it's not going to be that hard. It could be a case of, you know, just making sure you know what the audience and what they're kind of looking for. So as we go through magazines or as we go through newspaper, we're going and we're being drawn to articles that are of interest to us. So that's how you've got to think about it from the reader perspective as well. Okay. A few questions that have just sprung to mind. So you've said contacting journalists. People might be thinking, well, how do you go about doing that? That's not so hard either. If you if you come onto my website, I've just written a blog on that about how you can build your media list. So you can look at things like social media. All journalists are on Twitter. A lot of them are sourcing stories on Twitter. A lot of the time they're putting out things like journal requests, looking for someone who's in this particular area. Yeah. So it's about just being aware of the media that is relevant to your area. So wherever your book covers, it's health and well-being, and look at journalists that cover that and and reach out to them if they're tweeting and doing tweeting about interesting aspects of the story. Get involved, get start communicating, let them know that you're there. It does take time, but also on Twitter there are also other book 
promotion author um, author promotion and um, twitter accounts that help you as well that you can also connect with think about whether you know you want to try and get them to help promote your book as well think about doing things where you do like i say exchange reviews so you know go onto the group so you can get people interested in your in, in your um in your book i think it's just about building your following and also thinking about i mean if you're if you're someone who just come from you're writing about your industry then you'll have your industry contacts again you want to share it with them as well so they know that it's there make sure you put it on your website and make sure if you're going to do a book launch you you plan well in advance if you're going to do self-publishing make sure you do have um copies in advance so that you can send to journalists who may want to see it so i've done pr for authors before and so most of the time they're going to cover your book they're going to want to see a copy of your book so make sure you're prepared and you have that ready and you can be quite responsive because my thing is is once you start putting yourself out there be prepared we'll see sometimes it doesn't happen straight away it might not happen immediately but it might happen sometimes it does happen immediately so you need to be prepared for that and make sure that if you're going out saying i'm going to have it ready by this date that it is going to come out on that date Right. Yes, very true. Did you do any pre-launch activity as such when you were launching your book? Did you say to people, it's coming, it's on its way, this is the launch date? Or did you... Because sometimes people do that, you know, in order to focus the mind, like, right, a bit like a deadline, you've got to be like, if I've said it's going to be out on this day, it's got to be out on this day or... So I did do that. I did the thing where you could do a pre-order. So you could pre-order, but you could only pre-order the ebook version. So some people did that and I was doing pre-launch activities in terms of promoting it on my own social channels, on Facebook and things like that as well. Because when I was doing it, I wanted I didn't have a massive budget behind me to do this. It was a case of, you know, I want to make sure that obviously we're spreading the word, but I wanted to make sure I was hitting it at the right markers, the right target and which has has worked in that sense because I, I aimed it at the business and professional kind of media and that's what picked it up but in terms of timings I do think it is useful in hindsight I'd say it's really good if you can have a pre-launch date and you stick to that and then if you can get people to pre-order it then that's great because that actually helps your rankings on things like Amazon so if you're getting a lot of people pre-ordering, then you'll move up the bestseller ranking. So that's what you want to do. You want people to go to your book and look at it and order it. So if you can do some activity around that, then definitely do that. If you can't afford to do a big book launch, there are other ways you can think about launching as well. Or maybe you want, might want to look at doing a thing jointly with somebody else where you go to an event and you bring your books along. Don't forget to bring your books along. I've been doing that more nowadays as well because we know that not everybody can come out to a press launch. And so, I mean, a lot of my friends at the time were like, oh, why don't you do a big press launch? But for me, I didn't necessarily want to do that. I just wanted to start pushing it out without doing that. I think it's my own little mind testing the waters to see how will this go down if I don't do a massive press launch because that means that you've got to put quite a lot of money up front to do that. Unless you've got somewhere you can use for free, then that's great. But I think it's about using your resources and using what you've got to get the word out there. And it is possible to do that. And friends sharing things. I mean, look how many things go viral. Look how many videos you watch because someone sent a video across. And, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with even doing a viral video of yourself, sending it to friends and helping that go around as well. Because we send it around a lot of nonsense. So let's get some good things. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. You are listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. Please do subscribe to, like and share this channel.
If you're just tuning in, I am talking to Ebony Gale of Ebony Gale Communications. Ebony is a PR specialist and has written a book which is to help others to escape the nine to five because there are many people out there that want to do just that. And the name of her book is How to Become a Consultant, A Guide to Free Yourself from the Nine to Five. And there is a website as well that is called 9to5workrebels.com, which is a platform to help unhappy professionals escape the nine to five and follow their passion. So, Ebony, in terms of being a consultant, is this more a male thing or a female thing or is it open to everyone? I'd say it's open to everyone. I definitely think it's open to everyone. I do think for some parts of consultancy, like management consultancy, I think there's a lot of of male energy in that. Mm. But in my world of PR, there's a lot of females that are independent or freelance and consulting in that way. Um, And I think it's definitely a a growing field. And particularly because when you think of freelancers, you've got they come in all, all shapes and sizes. So I don't really think it's necessarily dominated by one. But I do think that women are... And maybe lean into it more because of the fact that it is it offers a better sort of work-life balance the flexibility around childcare, and that was something you mentioned at the beginning like how young was your child or children I don't know how many you got when you embarked upon this because there are people out there and there's always a reason not to do something our oh, children are too small are oh, they too this and I'm too old and I'm too young and this and that and we have all these reasons why we shouldn't do something is it I think I think you're right you're definitely right there's a lot of people who think like that and I think well we are almost our worst enemies because we're actually putting these limiting beliefs on ourselves mm. no one said that you know you can't go and consult if you've got a child or you can't do this you no know, because you're older and you can't change careers this is what we usually put on ourselves and for me, I did have one of those things on my mind, which is when I actually initially wanted to go and do for my freelance because of the issue I had around childcare, it was around a time when my daughter was changing from nursery to primary school. So the hours were going to be different. You know, primary school's finished earlier, you know, nursery's a bit longer. It was around that time I was changing with her and it had the issue with the employer. So that made me kind of fight against that enough tonight wouldn't took the first contract role but there I still stayed on for a bit longer in fact and that's like I said because the recession hit and so my fear kicked in and I thought oh maybe let's not do this yet you know let's not vote yet but then you know the the back of my mind I could hear my other voice saying to me yeah but if not now when there's always going to be a maybe tomorrow and we can always do that and Basically, essentially for me, I just was unhappy with what I was doing. Whilst I enjoyed elements of my job, I didn't like the restrictiveness. So I know for me, I had to do that for myself, for my own happiness and my own sanity. Mm. But I don't necessarily think that you have to limit yourself with the ages of your children. I just think it's about making it work. So if you've got children that are under a certain age, and maybe it's still more difficult because you've got childcare and issues. There's still ways to work around that because there's a lot of mums that are, uh, that are looking at, you know, setting up their own business and they are doing perfectly well. And there are lots of mumpreneurs that are out here that are working it around their children. So therefore, you know, if their children are at nursery, that's when they work. When their children are at home, they are with their children. And then when they put the children to bed, they might do a couple of hours there. And it's about finding what works for you. And I think, and actually letting go of those limiting beliefs, because it's just you putting these things in your mind. It's not anybody else. Sometimes we, we are you know, turning ourselves stories and making things up in our mind. And actually, we need to stop and have a moment and say, well, I can do it mm-hmm. if I really want to. And if it's going to make me a happier person, let's make sure I do it. Absolutely. 
And then in terms of finding the time to write, because people always ask this, like they'll say, oh, you know, you managed to write a book. Oh my gosh, it's something I've always wanted to do for so long. How did you manage to do that? Not only having, you know, running your business, you're a consultant, as well as family life, all the things going on. How did you find the time to write on top of everything else? I think it's about you find the time for things that you really want to do. Mm. Just like, look how many of us sit around and watch EastEnders. We find the time, don't we? You know, you find the time to do things that you care about. So I think it's about prioritising what is, what is important to you. So if you want to write a book for me, I wanted to write a book for years and, and I've still got a few more, like I've, I've still got a few more in me that I want to continue to go with. But I understand sometimes it's just getting started. So for me, I actually got started at one point, but then a few personal tragedies happened where that's my grandmother and things like that happened. So that kind of threw me off for a little while. Then I came back to it and was like, no, I'm going to get this done. I want to finish this. Mm. And so I think it's just about being decisive and actually making sure you commit yourself and actually keeping yourself to that commitment. Because just like you would, you would have to do something at work, sometimes when it comes to us and uh, set our own commitments, we can't let ourselves down. We might say, oh, we're going to go to the gym this year, and then, you know, it doesn't happen. <laughs> because you look like it's, it's down to you. And I think, like I said, if you really want to do something, you'll find a way to get it. Just like my daughter, when she wants something, she finds a way to try and, you know, <laughs> I feel like we can. If you really want to do something, we, we can make it. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much, Ebony, for your time and for those wise words of wisdom. It's given us all a lot to think about. Some really good advice there, PR-wise. For the listeners out there, how can they get in touch with you? Give us your handles, your Twitter handles, your Facebook account, etc. Well, thanks for having me first, Lee. So that's been great. I'm happy to come onto your author's podcast. I do listen to your show and I think it's great. And you can contact me. You can visit my website, which is Ebony Gale, which is G A Y L E communications.com. My Twitter is at Ebony Gale PR, and my Instagram is also at Ebony Gale PR. And for the nine to five work records, it's nine, as in number nine, two T O. Five workrebels.com and that's um, nine to five workrebels is also on Instagram as well. And you can join it on the Facebook page as well. If you just put forward slash nine to five workrebels, you'll find um, our page on there as well. And I've also got a DIY PR services page on Facebook as well. So you can join the community and post questions if you've got any PR related questions, I can help you on there. So, what is the do it yourself, the DIY PR services? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, that's more aimed, well, what it is, is because, like I said, I've worked in PR for a number of years, and being independent, I find that I come across quite a lot of startups, they've got some really great ideas, and some small businesses, but they don't always have the funding to put in, like, real big marketing and PR um, efforts, Mm. but obviously, they still want to make sure they can share their vision with the world, so... For me, I wanted to try and plug that gap. So I created a online course so you can do it at your own pace. And it's called DIY PR, you know, how to get really coverage for your business. And you can get it within 30 days. And I'm literally just taking you through the processes that myself and others who are in the PR industry and what we do to secure coverage. So we talk about finding your USP, what is really uniquely different about you and putting that towards the media. But also I, I take them through the stages of, A, what is PR? What is good and what's good? what's good and bad PR mm. and you know how you can find your own USP take you through the steps of what a quality press release looks like I take you through the steps of how you pitch to the media and I include some pitching templates 
I also provide a planning template and a sort of media coverage template as well so you can you know know how to sort of approach people and the do's and don'ts of, of doing that and I also cover I've got an extra module that I've thrown in about using social media to leverage your PR as well so that's all an online training course that's aimed at small businesses and startups and those that don't necessarily have the funds but still deserve to be able to share their business with the world essentially. And just in terms of social media, final question here, just if you have a book, do you have a preferred social media channel? So do you think, yeah, you've got to be on Twitter or no, it's all about Instagram or is it a mixture of everything? Or do you have maybe a, a preference or something that you think, yeah, as an author, this is a particularly good platform social media wise? I think as an author, I think it's important to be across the three of those, actually. I do think instant because it's more visual and obviously that works in terms of you showing what the book looks like. But I feel like Facebook is really important. And I think like Facebook, you can actually start to build your own little tribe and your community there. And you can engage a lot more on Facebook as well. So I think don't ignore that and don't ignore the actual existing groups. There's a lot of existing groups that are out there that are aimed at authors and those who have great interest in particular types of books. So it's about also getting involved in those communities as well. So I think it's about taking relevant what's relevant, because even with businesses, they say, should I be on every single social? I don't think you have to be on every single social platform. I think you have to go on what's right for you Mm. and what you can manage and maintain, because there's no point having a page there and you're not doing anything with it. Mm. You want to have engagement. So if it does mean that you're, you find that you've got your own little community growing nicely in Facebook, then stay there and cultivate it. Mm. You can still start to build your Instagram, but if you're worried about time, then maybe focus on one to start with and then grow it. Twitter, I think, is an interesting one. I would say, yes, it was good in terms of some of the retweets and things like that, but I think it's more about doing things like, you know, your Facebook and also look at video. That's something that I didn't do as much, but I have got a YouTube channel now, which is 9 to 5 Wearables. So look at doing things like on video as well. If you're like a serial author, you're always writing, then that's a great way to get out and speak to your audience as well. You know, set up a YouTube channel and maybe review books and then also maybe throw your own book in there as well. There's other ways of reaching new audiences. And remember, um, you know, social media, what I like about it is the fact that obviously it is worldwide. And you can therefore interact with people all across the world. Like I've done a podcast interview, for example, with a Canadian radio station and podcaster because they heard about my book and I did some stuff over there. And that's the power of social. And yeah, not only that, but the topic that you're talking about, becoming Mm -hmm. a consultant, is something that is global. It's the same principles that apply and people across the world want to escape this nine to five. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a lot of us out here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just for those of you that maybe didn't catch it. So Ebony's Instagram is Ebony Gale PR and Gale yeah. is G-A-Y-L-E. So you can find Ebony on Instagram and also on Facebook. So the website for the Facebook address is www.facebook.com forward slash nine to five work rebels it's the number nine and the number five and if you want to email ebony uh, who's a fountain of knowledge it's info at ebony gale communications.com 
Okay, so thank you very much, Ebony, for being the guest. I think that you've you just got so many ideas and you speak really quickly as well, but you know, you've just it's been like a lot of really good advice out there because people often struggle, particularly with PR and how to promote themselves, but you've got yeah. some really good advice, some solid sound advice for that. So thank you very much for no, sharing. Happy to, help. happy to help out. And thank you so much for having me. And for you budding authors, just go for it, okay? Start writing down your chapter headings, start planning out, you know, your book and get going all out here waiting to read about what you have to offer. Excellent. Okay. So thank you very much, listeners. I hope you're feeling inspired and energized. And, you know, as Ebony said, even if you do start your book and then, you know, things can happen, the personal tragedies, whatever might get in the way at the time, don't just put it on the back burner and leave it there. You can return to it and actually get something finished so don't be put off by bumps in the road you have to keep on with the writing and keep on going with it that's writing for you that's the author's life so i thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the author's podcast with me your host lisa newton hope that was very useful and i will see you again on the next episode You have been listening to The Author's Podcast with Lisa Newton, sponsored by Boogles Limited. Tweet the show at Boogles underscore books, spelled B-O-O-G-L-E-Z underscore books. You can also contact your host via the email address lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And if you want to join our author's community, join the inner circle at www.writerbook.net You have just been listening to the author's podcast with Lisa Newton. See you next time.